invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn together with me to Matthew chapter 6. And the words to which I would call your attention this morning come to us from verses 22 and 23 of Matthew chapter 6, but we'll pick up and read beginning with verse 19. This is God's Word. It is inerrant and infallible and authoritative and sufficient in all that it says. Let's give attention to it now. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp is the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we come before you this morning and ask that you would do your will in our hearts. And we ask, O Lord, that through Christ, your will would be to soften our hearts. Lord, make us tender to the work of your Holy Spirit. We have devoted so much time to hardening ourselves against you. We ask you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would have your way among us. We want to be a people who are devoted to your renown and glory but we need your work. Soften us, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit would say. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want a proper perspective on things, it can be very helpful to go up onto a high place. A a very high place will allow you to look out and see for a long way. Some of you uh, may be familiar with Lookout Mountain. It's an incredible view. Or going to the Grand Canyon uh, at Lookout Mountain, you can look out and, and see uh, multiple states on a clear day. It, it's an incredible thing. You, you get a real perspective sometimes when you visit these places of, of how small you really are. Or you think maybe when you're a child in that moment when you get a glimpse of the earth from a satellite... Or those pictures that you see from the Hubble telescope and how beautiful they are. And it makes you think, boy, we are small. Boy, we are insignificant. It is helpful to go up to a high point to get a perspective on things. If you're lost in the woods and you find a place where you can get up on a little knoll... You go up there and it sometimes can help you to see a landmark and you determine that's the way I need to go. Isn't it interesting that as we've been going through this particular sermon of Christ, it takes place on a mountain. What is he trying to do for you throughout this entire sermon? 
He's trying to orient you. He's trying to give you perspective. You you see, the people that he was preaching to, like you, were every moment of every day tempted to look really closely at all the trees and miss the forest. They could identify all the bark and they could tell you that the type of trouble, what the type of trouble would be based on whether it was a dogwood or a pine tree or an oak tree. Jesus is saying, come with me on the top of the mountain and let's look again at the forest. I want to help you to have perspective on your life. Only then will you be enabled to live faithfully for the Lord your God. Jesus brings you up on the mountain in order to give you perspective. He wants you to see. The objective is not simply to enable you to see the beautiful things in the world. That could be one a response here. I see the world as beautiful. I see children as beautiful and trees as green. That's not the Lord's objective. The Lord's objective is much more than beauty. It is beauty, but it's much more than beauty. He wants you to see things as they really are. To show you that you don't naturally see things as they really are. You are afflicted and you need help. He wants you to see them as they are. And as we think about the verses this morning, verses 22 and 23, we're talking about the eye and the body, some strange language perhaps. Jesus teaches us that the eye gives light to the body. A good eye results in health. A bad eye results in death. So the first question that we might think of as we read these verses is, well, what kind of eye do I want to have? Do you want to have a good eye or do you want to have a bad eye? It's a very natural uh, response would be, well, I want to have a good eye. I don't want to have a bad eye. I don't want to be filled with darkness. I want to be filled with light. I want the light to be in me. Well, Jesus would say to you, then you need a good eye. As we come to this, And remember that in the previous passage, just last week, Jesus assumed the role of an investment advisor. Who wouldn't want to have Jesus as your investment advisor, right? Help you to pick the right stocks, make sure that you stay ahead of the curve in the market. But Jesus assumed the role of an investment advisor. And basically he said, you've got two choices here. Two mutual funds from which you might choose. That makes it easy, doesn't it? You may invest in earthly treasure and devote your time and your attention to earthly gain, or you may devote yourself to heavenly gain. Now, one of those, one of those investments is subject to deterioration, the fluctuations of the stock market, whether the Federal Reserve Board decides that they're going to raise rates or keep them the same. Not only that, but you're subject to theft. Guess what? Some of the people on the Federal Reserve Board want to steal your money. As shocking as it may seem. One of those investments will last and one will not. What will you choose? What are you choosing? In this passage, Jesus moves from the faithful investment advisor 
to the role of physician and optometrist. He, he transitions from using riches as an illustration to using the facets of your physical health, the eye and the body. And so the first thing that he points out to you then in verse 22 is that the eye gives light to the body. What a natural thing to say. Now we are so much smarter and more intelligent than our Jewish predecessors here, Palestinian predecessors, that we know that the eye gives light to the body. We know that the function of the eye is to, to process images, to, to process the refraction of light off of a wall or off of a man's head standing before me. And that, that processing of light enables my brain to form images, right? I can see. And so uh, that, the fact that the, the eye is a lamp to the body makes sense to us. That's a part of vision. It is, a, it is the very essential element of seeing. Jesus calls your eye a lamp. You know what a lamp does. It gives off light. You, this that takes us back, doesn't it, to Matthew chapter 5. In verse 14, Jesus in this sense said that you, in a sense, are a lamp. Remember, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You yourself are a lamp. You walk through this world and every place where you step foot in faithful obedience to the Lord, you are shining light on the world. You play an important function. You are, to borrow from Beauty and the Beast, Lumiere, right? That's what you are doing in the world. Uh, causing men to see your good works and give glory to the Father. You remember also that the Pharisees are a different kind of lamp, aren't they? They go around shining their light for what purpose? So that men can see their works and glorify them. They crave the praise and adoration of other men. They are a lamp unto themselves. Well, here we get another lamp. The eye is a lamp. This is a very personal lamp, isn't it? It's one that you use. It's one that you need. It's one that your body needs. You need a good lamp for your body. And the way that you get light is from your eye and having a good one. I was looking uh, in my studies, I saw an illustration of this verse and someone had made a, a picture of a man's head with the eyes facing outward and the, the light was beaming out from his eyes. It's not exactly an accurate illustration, is it? If the illustration was accurate, the light from the eyes would be beaming in upon my mind and upon my heart, shining light there and helping me to see the darkness we know that physical eyes bring light to the body. You go to the optometrist, and one of the things that he measures is how well your eyes are refracting light. And he will either say to you, your eyes look like a marble, or they look more like a football. And they're not balancing the light well. If the eyes are refracting the light properly, they see well. You find going out and picking up a book and reading it. You can trust that your eyes are translating the words on the page properly to your mind. You can drive, you can write, you can draw, and you can play sports. You can serve in the military. 
But if your eyes don't work, you can't do those things, can you? If you cannot see well, you cannot live well. What happens? You become dependent upon other men to tell you what is here or what is there. I go to visit folks in the nursing home who can't see well and they have to have extra large buttons on the remote control to turn the TV on to know what's the up volume, what's the down volume, how do I change the channel and get it off TBN. Drawing, reading, writing become difficult. Spiritual eyes bring light into your soul. Just as the strength of physical eyes affects your ability to do everyday actions, so uh, your, your spiritual eyes enable you to live faithfully before the Lord your God. They affect your spirituality. Perspective is crucial. Let me show you one of the places where your spiritual perspective becomes very crucial. We're going to get to this in a little more detail later, but look with me at Matthew chapter 7. And begin reading with me at verse 3. It's been interesting to note as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, how often Jesus is talking about shining and light, uh, us shining to men, men shining to us, the lamp going into the body, seeing how important it is to see properly. Notice in chapter 7, verse 3, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Do you see the importance of spiritual perspective there? If you are going to help your brother overcome sin in his life, the first step is having a right perspective of sin in your life. And the fundamental question of the, is this for you. Whose sin is greater, yours or his? If you can't answer that question accurately, you are not prepared to help your brother remove the sin from his life. Perspective is absolutely essential. Why is perspective crucial? Well, notice this. The body follows the eye. Do you get that? The function of the body follows the function of the eye. The, the body is only going to function as well as the eye permits it to function. Behavior follows perception. That is an absolutely essential distinction for us. Let me say it again. Behavior follows perception. Why is this vitally important? It's vitally important because many of us have adopted the perspective of this, I cannot help that I am X. I cannot help it, I'm just competitive that way. I cannot help it, I have an Irish father, I'm just given to fits of rage and anger. I can't help it, my tongue just gets away from me. I can't help it, I'm gay. Jesus is teaching you here that that's a wrong way of thinking. 
behavior follows perception. What he tells you is that what you believe, it matters. You can tell how a man perceives the world by observing his behavior. Does he believe the hymn that we just sang, God will take care of you? Well, he will show that in the way that he behaves. Behavior follows perception. And what a man does tells you what he really believes. Jesus could point you to the behavior of the Pharisees and explain that they have a problem, couldn't he? He could say, look at those men. I can tell you that they are hypocrites, and how do we know that they are hypocrites? Because they are living in such a way as to gain the praise of men. Therefore, we know what they believe. Jesus could point you to the behavior of the Pharisees and tell you that they are condemned to hell because of the way that they behaved. And you and I must conclude, therefore, that bad behavior is the, the, the result of bad perspective. Thus Jesus can say in the next verse, So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. A healthy eye leads to a healthy body, and a bad eye leads to a sick body. You know, you and I are accustomed to thinking that that the central aspect of human health lies where? In art. You need to exercise because your heart might go bad. You need to eat right so that your heart doesn't develop blockages, so that your heart pumps properly. Uh, My mother called me this week and she said, Son, we have a history of heart failure in our family. I want to pay for you to go and have a CAT scan of your heart so that we can head off any issues with your heart. And I said, Mom, what about my eyes? I actually didn't say that. I was respectful. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says the key to human vitality and health doesn't lie in the heart, it lies in the eye? How you see the world, in other words, determines how your body acts. One Jewish rabbi, speaking of this very uh, a principle said, the heart and the eyes are the spies of the body. They act as its agents for sinning. The eye sees, the heart covets, and the body commits the sin. You see how he's putting these things in their order. The eye sees, the heart covets, and the body proceeds by committing the sin. So the eye is leading the body into sin. Therefore, a healthy eye leads to healthy behavior. If you have a right perspective, if you see things from God's perspective, then that will enable you to live faithfully before him. This naturally leads to the the next question. Well, what, what is a healthy eye? How do I know if my eye is healthy? I want to have a healthy body. Well, the phrase here, it could actually be translated sincere. If you have a sincere eye, then your body will be healthy. It could also be translated single. And that begins to make a little more sense, does it? A single 
eye. We can, we can relate to that even in terms of vision. If I want focus, I want my focus to be singular, right? I want to be able to look through my scope, and I don't want to see two scopes. I want to see, I want to see one image there of the deer uh, correctly portrayed before me so that my shot is accurate. As much as we hate to admit it, sometimes the problem is not the rifle. So Jesus is commanding us that what we need is a single eye. Listen to the early church father, Clement of Rome. The father, who is pitiful in all things, merciful he means, and ready to do good, has compassion on them that fear him. And kindly and lovingly bestows his favors on them that draw nigh unto him. Now listen, with a single mind. Do you start to get that picture of the man in James? Turn over to, with me to James chapter 1. Clement said... God bestows his favors on them that draw near to him with a single mind. Remember these hard words from James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness must have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now notice, this is an interesting thing here. Uh, Jesus, uh, or James doesn't say to you, if you lack joy in your trials, then pray for joy. Uh, James says to you, if you lack joy in your trials, pray for wisdom. You see that? Joy comes from perspective. He goes on, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Here it is. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Back to Matthew chapter 6, we learn that just as our mind must be singularly focused on the Lord, our eye must be singularly focused. We must have our heart and our mind and our eye set like flint on the glory of God, understanding, as we've talked about in Pilgrim's Progress, where we have come from and where we are going A blind man should not say, my environment is bad. The blind man doesn't have a problem with the layout of his home. The blind man doesn't have a problem with the size of the words on the page. The blind man doesn't have a problem with the location of the buttons on his remote control. The blind man has a problem with his eyes. The, the blind man should not say, my environment is bad. The blind man should say, my eyes are bad. The same is true for us spiritually. The issue for you is not your environment. Isn't that the age-old debate? Are children the 
the subjects of, ver- of, um, of uh, nature or nurture. You remember that. All of your problems can be identified by going back to your childhood. In other words, we are encouraged to think that all of these things are an issue of our environment. Jesus says to you, no, the issue for you is your eye and your perspective on your environment. Listen again to James, the New Testament wisdom writer. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Well, we would immediately raise your hand and say, I know the answer to that question. My brother stole my teddy bear. That's the problem for me. That's where the quarrels come from. That's where the fights come from. Well, Vladimir Putin, he's building up troops uh, on the border of Ukraine. That's where the quarrel comes from. That's where the fight comes from. James would respond to you and say, you are suffering from spiritual short-sightedness. You do not see this, brother. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. In other words, you have a wanting problem. The reason that you have fights, the reasons that, reason that you have quarrels, the reason that you have conflict within yourself is not your circumstances, it is your wanting problem. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask amiss that you may spend it on yourself. James explains to you, you've got a perspective issue. You've got a wanting and a thinking problem. It's a spiritual issue. And so let us consider then this distinction. Many of us are tempted in this day and age to to look out, to read the newspaper, and to say, boy, what a terrible world. What terrible shape that we are in. Everything is going bad. Our culture is in total chaos. Consider an alternative perspective. This world belongs to God. He created the world and everything that is in it. God exercises his absolute dominion over every single molecule, over every single creature that he has made. The gospel of Jesus Christ is expanding in the world even though I cannot see it. Do you see the difference in perspective? Which perspective does the Lord want you to adopt? Which one are you adopting? Which one leads to a healthy body, healthy behavior in this present evil age? And which one leads to bad behavior? Which one leads to faith and confidence in the Lord? Which one leads to fearfulness, worry, and anxiety? If your eye is good, you have good perspective, you see things from a biblical perspective, then your body will do well and your behavior will be right before the Lord. You will follow Him no matter what the circumstances He ordains for you. You will follow Him in faithfulness without fear and worry. If your eye is going bad, you will struggle. Lastly, thirdly, we see then That if your eye is bad, you are in terrible health indeed. Sadly, you and I are born with bad eyes, aren't we? 
You don't see things as you ought to see them. You are naturally blind, the scriptures remind us over and over and over again. You cannot understand the world in which you live or even your own self. Uh, By nature, you are blind to the truth. Dead in sins and trespasses. What this means, what this means is that you cannot trust your intuition. You cannot trust your impulses. You remember the story of Uzzah in the Old Testament? In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we are we're given this picture of the ark that has been captured in, in Philistia, and it's being brought back on an ox cart, led by some oxen, which was appropriate. And it's coming over the rough ground, and, and everybody is celebrating. They're rejoicing that the ark was coming back to Jerusalem, and this is when David is dancing. And there's a man by the name of Uzzah, and he's walking along by the side of the ark innocently. And suddenly the, the oxen stumbles a bit, the ark of the covenant shifts slightly, and Uzzah threw up his hand just to brace it like any one of us would do. You remember what happened to Uzzah in that moment? He died. Now, as far as the text indicates to us, there's there's no threat of the ark falling. Perhaps it just shifted a little bit. Maybe Uzzah thought it would fall, and he just thrust out his hand, like you would do if you open the cabinet and a cup falls out and you, you reach to grab it. That was his impulse. That was his reflex. What is the Lord teaching you about your impulses? About your intuition? It is just as fallen and just as corrupt as the rest of you, just as prone to sinning against him as the rest of you. It isn't just your behavior that we are to be concerned about. It's the impulses of your life. This is the effect of bad eyes. You don't see correctly. You don't judge things rightly. And so you have to ask the Lord for wisdom. Help me to understand. Redeem my knowledge, Lord. Help me to know rightly. To see that the works of history aren't just random events. They are uh, governed by your direction. You direct the rise of Napoleon, the fall of Hitler. All of these things exist for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have right perspective. I want you to think with me just for a second about two effects of having bad eyes. There are physical effects and there are spiritual effects. The physical effects of a bad eye is that you will have an improper perspective on your circumstances that can result in problems in your body. Did you know that? There is a vital link between your soul and your body. Problems in the soul can show up as problems in the body. Problems in the body can result in problems in the soul and distress. What are some physical issues that you might have when you don't process your circumstances rightly? Let me give you an illustration. Let's think through this. Imagine one day that the boss comes into your office and he says, we are laying everyone off. We're having to cut out the middle tier of management. I'm sorry, but you've had some of the most tenure. You're one of the most expensive guys to keep on. So we are giving you a severance package. What happens in that moment? What's your impulse? 
Well, if you've got a Fitbit on, you look down and suddenly your heart rate is about 200 beats per minute. You see what I'm saying? The way that your soul processes your circumstances affects your body. Now, is there anything wrong with your heart? No. Is your heart sick? No. But your soul is affecting your heart. Worry, anxiety, fearfulness lead to heart palpitations, poor sleep, stomach ulcers, irritable bowel. Just a few weeks ago, I took one of my children to a gastroenterologist. The gastroenterologist said that that some years ago, he suffered from um, irritable bowel syndrome. Some of you have suffered with that yourself. He said, I noticed that I would suffer with irritable bowel syndrome anytime I had to go and see a patient or do a presentation. There wasn't a pill he could take to fix it. You know how he overcame his irritable bowel syndrome. He said, I saw more patients and I did more presentations. Gradually, do you see his perspective changed? His spirit began to process his circumstances differently. He began to realize, I don't have to fear these things. I can do this. This is the Lord's will for you as well. He wants you to understand that there is a vital link between the way that you process your circumstances and the effects on your body. Do you have heart palpitations, sleepless nights, stomach ulcers? Well, maybe the issue is not you need a certain medication. Maybe the issue is that you're not processing these things the right way through a biblical lens, that God has ordained these circumstances for you, that he is walking with you through them, that he is your uh, very present help in times of trouble. It isn't your environment that's the problem. It is the way that you process it. There are physical effects from a bad eye. But there are also spiritual effects. Let's consider these just for a second. The spiritual effects of a bad eye. You and I understand that from James chapter 4, right, that our wanting and our thinking are bad. I want things that I ought not want. And I think about things in a way I ought not to think about them. That is an effect of the fall. You and I naturally process things in a godless way. Do you remember, uh, go back with me just for a second to Genesis chapter 3. And do you remember the way that Satan enticed Eve? What did he say to you? The, The moment God knows... The moment that you eat of the fruit, what's going to happen? Your eyes will be opened. You think about that. Your eyes are going to be opened. Uh, Suddenly you're going to be able to see things the right way. In other words, God has withheld something from you. And do you know what happened? Her eyes were open. The result of the fall is that her thinking and her wanting became totally corrupt. Now, instead of recognizing the presence of God as as communion and good for me, the presence of God became something fearful, something to run away from, not to enter into boldly and with confidence. Our thinking has been corrupted. The way that you process your environment has been corrupted. And your first step to having a proper perspective on things is to grasp that perspective. You need 
God's eyes. If you want to overcome worry, anxiety, to cope with these things, sleepless nights, stomach ulcers, what you need are God's eyes. This this is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. When he causes you to be born again, what does he do? He causes what we see in the illustration of Paul's life, the scales to fall away. Or the psalmist in Psalm 119, you remember what he prayed, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Right now, as a natural and a fallen man, I look at your moral law and I say, man, what a drag. But you know that God has opened your eyes when you look at his moral law and you say, it's beautiful. That is my desire. This is why, as your pastor and your elders talk so much about being in continual prayer and reading your Bible, how are you going to have a change in perspective? Where do you encounter those things? By being in the Word. I want God's Word to become my mind. I want to think about things the way that Jesus does. I want to see things from His perspective. I don't want to be entangled and enslaved to fear and anxiety and worry and depression and all of these things anymore. Lord, help me and show me. Set me free. Help me to enjoy the freedom that Christ has purchased for me. I know it isn't Your will for me to live in slavery to these things. You have bought peace. You need a change in perspective. The fundamental need of every man is eye surgery. This is the work of God's Spirit. Remember, beloved, as you go away today, that it is not the heart that gives light to the body, it is your eye. A good eye results in health. A bad eye results in death. Let's pray. Father, it is part of our character trait that we are born with bad eyes, we are born with weak eyes. As much as we sometimes would like to boast and say, I've been given the gift of discernment, I have discerned that. We confess that any good thoughts, any right processing of reality, our faith, all of these things flow from the loving hand of a good and a gracious God. Help us, Lord, not to trust the impulses of our heart, not, not, not to merely trust that things are the way I see them and that's just the way that they are, but only to trust what we know from Your Word. Lord, enable us to think biblically, to put on Christ in this way, to to engage with the mind of Christ, to, to meditate on the Word, and therefore to become like Christ, to meditate the way that Christ meditates. Be gracious to us in this way, O Lord. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.